It's five to noon, and friend, we got some talking to do. Some reminiscing, if you will. And who knows what'll happen, but what I do know is that I got a bullet and a blank. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I welcome back Mo Poplar to catch up and talk about his Western card tabletop role-playing game, Bullet in a Blank. This game is incredibly fun and fast to set up, so come and see what's in store. We talk about Westerns, catch up on life, and upcoming projects. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am super excited to be welcoming back somebody who hasn't been on the show in quite some time now. Mo, thank you for coming back on. And audience, you've missed like half an hour of amazing conversation of Mo and I just catching up. So uh, we decided we should probably hit record. (laughs) Hey, Zach, how you doing? Thanks for having me back. It's been great. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Fans who have listened to the show a while back will remember Mo from the Shibuyan Nights episode. I know that there are a number of people who have talked to me about this. A number of people who I've I've told that they can reach out to you. I don't know if they actually have, but you told me that that is always an option. Absolutely. So I just wanted to Absolutely. state that again. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a kind of a ride, just kind of ginning up um, attention for the game. Um, like in in this, you know, are we open? Should we stay home environment? But uh, I've gotten contacted by a few dozen people. Uh, nobody has said they have been from the podcast, but I've also forgotten to ask. Um, a lot of people uh, <laughs> have kind of heard about me because they saw the game in stores or at conventions that are now opening. Um, a few people I have met uh, at game stores doing demos. And um, I don't know if you guys had our free RPG day, um, but uh, for free RPG day in Southern California, uh, about four stores had copies of um, Shibuya Nights Quick Start to hand out. And so, um, you know, I, I got some contacts about that and you know, people saying, oh, this is really cool. And, you know, what do I get if I actually get the book? And, um, you know, that's the same mm-hmm. quick start that's available on drive-thru. Um, that's the same okay. just quick start that's available on itch. And, you know, it's like, uh, the game is awesome. Uh, feel free to download it and play it. And, you know, if you want the maps, if you want more uh, kind of background on the city and all this other stuff um go ahead and get the book if you want to support a not so starving game designer um (laughs) go ahead and get the book (laughs) actually free rpg day was one of the things i wanted to ask you about because as not really a designer i it's a weird hat to put on right now after having put out a small game what exactly does that entail because I've never really participated in it in any shape or form. We have it here, but I'm always busy. So I actually just heard about it um, a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but uh, Free RPG Day uh, was Saturday, uh, June. I don't know. What's today? 
Saturday. Today's the 26th. So it was Saturday, June 25th. <laughs> and oh, it was yesterday. Yes. Holy crap. Okay. And um, <laughs> I heard about it uh, toward the beginning of June, and um, I reached out to a couple of my friendly local game stores who also were not on the uh, free RPG day wagon and this may be the first year it's happened i I, i'm a big fan of free comic book day Uh, me and my kid we go and we figure out like what's kid appropriate for him and uh what looks awesome for me um that i haven't read that looks uh interesting (laughs) so um you know i went and checked i went and uh i I handed out the quick start to a couple stores that carry the um Mm -hmm. carry my books um I also went to go see, you know, well, what else is out there? And um, there were a couple of uh, adventures from um, uh, D&D 5e. There was, uh, yep. I think the prettiest thing out there was uh, the Root Quick Start, which was uh, printed oh, out. Oh, I love Root. And, you know, Root, man, such an evocative game. Uh, I yep. really dig a lot of what they're doing. And the design is just kind of the game design and the layout really support Mm -hmm. you know you playing these woodland creatures that you know uh might be nice might not (laughs) (laughs) and um i actually haven't read my copy of root yet but i've played with the quick start twice now and um just yeah you you, it's a game you definitely want to see well what else is out there um and the quick start really supports it. So having a printout was nice. Uh, there were uh, a couple of games that were, well, they, they were marketed as games, but they were um, folders for school okay. with pretty pictures on them. Oh. And if you opened them up, they had dice tables, but there was no discussion of how to create characters or what. Mm. Um, maybe not games, but, uh, you know, cool pretty if you like pictures and uh there were a couple of smaller games i feel bad like a bad person i can't remember them off the top of my head you know supporting all small games (laughs) so (laughs) i'm really curious to see next year if this is something that takes off or if it's something that uh you know seemed like a good idea but fades away I know that it was great. Yeah. It, it's been, I've been getting a lot of clicks on the site. Um, and I've gotten a couple of emails with people um, who just seem really enthusiastic about my quick start. So mm-hmm. that's exciting. It is. I do know that one of the things that was given away here was, I I think it was an encounter for Pathfinder 2E. Yes. That people were really excited about. And it looked really cool. Actually, there was this really, it was like just a really cool image on the front of it. I knew that was coming out, but other than that, I didn't know too much about what was being given out for free RPG day. And maybe it is the first year. I'm not exactly sure. I am looking forward to see if something happens next year. And like, I think for the indie designer who has a little bit of a marketing budget, it's an opportunity to really get out there and, you know, Mm-hmm. I think next year I might just do, you know, 
I split the difference between the the folders and the, the guides and you know just hand out a, a three by five card with a pretty picture on it and you know a, a scan code <laughs> click this and it'll take you to the site and uh, you know inshallah we'll see that's perfect uh, Mo we totally missed one of the more important questions for people who don't know you and haven't heard you on the show before. Can you tell the audience who you are and a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a uh, filmmaker turned game designer um, who uh, dabbles in podcasts these days. Um, And I designed a game called Shibuya Nights. That is um, a anime styled forged in a dark game. Um, If you don't know games that, might sound like a mouthful but it is anime styled and um you get up to hijinks and adventure while trying to maintain your reputation out in the world and grow it because the more reputation you have the more influence you have in the city and so um fortune in the dark is an amazing little system that um really yep. puts the fiction first and puts a mechanical component to what do you do when you're not out gallivanting um, to save people or to retrieve lost or stolen items or to look good causing a distraction. And uh, <laughs> the mechanics behind that are pretty cool. Um, these are all based off of uh, John Harper's Blades in the Dark game, yep. which uh, where you play a scoundrel. Uh, and you murder, and you kill, and you pimp, and you drug deal, and you uh, seance your way into power in the city, or death in the gutter. Um, I decided to make something that was a lot more family-friendly, (laughs) kid-friendly. So, um, you know, you you get up to anime-style mischief, uh, playing uh, hustlers, and mages, and pirates, and... um, uh, martial arts savants and warriors. Um, if your kid picked up this book, you wouldn't have to answer too many um, hard questions. That that's the goal of it. Uh, I was able to get find an amazing map designer. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, what's her name? Jay. I should know this. I wasn't ready for this test, but um, yeah, I have some f- fantastic maps in there, and uh, it's available uh, hardcover <laughs> and um, PDF download on uh, at, at most conventions through Indie mm-hmm. Press Revolution, and also uh, at many friendly local game stores, and also at Drive Through RPG. Folks there who may have recognized the term "Blades in the Dark" may know that one because it is being adapted into a TV series. That's right. People are very excited. I'm very excited about that, especially with how not great some of the tabletop role-playing game adaptations have been. You know, I I don't... (laughs) Not Not to hit on them, because people do like them. Some of them are good. Some of them are not good, but I don't know if that's what they're meant for. You know, I think a lot of mm-hmm. magic happens at the table and you definitely lose something when you try to um, manufacture or can that down the road. I think uh, Blades in the Dark is a very evocative concept with its ghost punk setting. And um, yeah, yeah, I think they have an opportunity to do some awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. It's certainly going to be an interesting place to play in. 
one of the things that we're on here to discuss though, Mo, is a new game that you're working on that I think I actually mentioned in an episode very recently, just to thank you for sending it to me and giving me a chance to play with it. And it's a game I've been absolutely loving. And that is a Western card-based RPG called Bullet in a Blank. Can you tell us a little bit about what this game is? Bullet in a Blank is a great little game. Um, I say little game. Uh, it plays in 20 to 40 minutes. And it is um, a card-based RPG. So you draw cards that propose questions that uh, help you develop your character and determine their uh, outcomes, we might say. <laughs> um <laughs> It's based on uh, Alex Roberts' For the Queen, and I uh, love For the Queen. It's such an evocative storytelling game where you draw cards. You, you don't even start with a character. You draw cards, and those cards have you at, answer questions and have people ask you questions at the table that evoke, they elicit a, a character at the table. And, you know, at the end... Um, of the game, you have to determine whether or not um, you're going to save the queen, who is this very passive-aggressive person who uh, has treated you well, but has also treated you poorly, and very much put you mm. in a codependent state. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the queen is 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 pretty pretty awful person. Um, I took a lot of those mechanics. And I made Bullet in the Blank, where you play a group of desperados who uh, probably have had too much to drink and found yourself in the middle of the street with some macho guy therapy, pointing guns at each other, trying to get down to whether or not you're going to let your friend live or die. Um, so, you know, the theme of the game is, you know, our friendship has come to the end of a dusty road. It's five to noon. We have our hands on a gun, but before I shoot you, I have a few questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, similar to For the Queen, you draw cards and they elicit questions. And um, you, each player, um, they accuse another player of doing something good or bad. Uh, you took care of my brother, and that's why I'm... I've ridden with you and put up with your stuff. You uh, took my my portion of that last holdup, and that's why uh, I want to shoot you today. And, you know, For the Queen can get to some really f profound emotions, and Bullet in a Blank is really supposed to evoke trash talking and yep. um, <laughs> ribbing. <laughs> and um raucous behavior i say it's a game um that could be improved with a cocktail <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i totally get that i think some of my favorite cards are like i'm glad we met because and it's just like in this situation that's such a weird statement to make but it also makes sense i mean it, it's it's <sighs> I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten to an age or I have a, a storied past, but you got friends that you got more history with than you got future. 
Yeah, no, that's totally fair. <laughs> and so, you know, sometimes you get to a point where you 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 want to almost weigh out, you know, whether or not, um, you know, these people aren't like family, you know, who you're going to see uh, in America at Thanksgiving one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is that weighing of, you know, whether or not the good times were worth the bad times. Um in this game, there's a high noon card that is hidden somewhere in the deck. And so you're going to draw these questions that evoke responses uh, in a westernly way. And uh, each character has a bullet card and a blank card. And when the high noon card shows up in the deck, you have to determine what players at the table you're going to shoot and what player at the table you're going to let live. And so um, what tends to happen is, you know, you don't show up with a character, but as the questions come up, people tend to lean into being the heel or the hero. And, you know, you don't lose if you get shot, but you kind of win if you have fun leaning into the kind of character <laughs> that just comes up on the cards. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. One of one of my favorite cards is, uh, you know, I know why your family didn't want you. You know, and it's just really kind of this, this, this deep, kind of. It's it's a a Western notion, you know, like in the in the in the West there were all of these mostly going from town to town, and um, they were wayward. And some of them were honest, but many of them were able to get away with things because folks might give them the benefit of the doubt in the next town. And, you know, they started on that road for a reason, you know, and sometimes your friends are the people who knew the secrets you kept, the reason you left. And, uh, yeah, to me, it's, it's questions like that, that, um, you should not take seriously playing this game, but can create very good characters. <laughs> I I sometimes feel like yeah. I need when I'm talking about this game, I have to reaffirm it's just a game. Yeah, I feel like as we're talking about it a little bit more, I could see how somebody might <laughs> take that to heart. Yep, depending on their history, but. Also, depending on the kind of character you're playing, yeah, that card yeah, has yeah. totally and different you, meanings. You, you have an opportunity to kind of evoke the character, you know, um, and you have an opportunity to kind of bring this thing out on the table. And, you know, people with the next cards they draw, they can lean into it or lean away from it. So it, it, it really... You know, yeah. there there's a level of consent to it all. You know, it doesn't have to get weird. Yes. Yeah, I I totally agree. You actually straight up put an X card right, right into right. this for that reason, which I'm always appreciative to see safety tools built right into the game. So I, I think it says tap this if it gets weird or uncomfortable, then draw there a new is. card. So you know, like there, there, 
there are illusions that you know could kind of be about um, your found family kind of double dealing you in a heist. You know, some people might want to make it sexual, and if the if that's not the kind of party, you know, that the X card is out there just to say um, that was clever. But let's not make that part of our story. Yeah. So one of the things we actually talked about a little bit before getting into hitting the record button was the way that this game kind of mm-hmm. passively generates tension. And for me, it's like seeing that deck get smaller and knowing that the high noon card is coming up. But also, I've only ever played it two person. Yeah. This game supports up to six. And that's a whole different type of tension. So what was some of your perspectives and thoughts while designing the game in this way? Um, I honestly can't tell you that um, I had any brilliant insight other than, you know, me and a buddy played um, not our first game of uh, For the Queen. And, you know, we had to talk about, you know, kind of almost skinning this <laughs> and you know changing uh like introducing and evoking new moods and um mm-hmm. you know i i built the deck and you know i played with my wife who you know unfortunately gets the brunt of these things sometimes and <laughs> <laughs> hey honey let's tell me what, what you think about this um but uh <laughs> She, she's not a gamer, but she's very patient. Um, but, uh, you know, a very different thing happens with two players where you have one person who is the the brunt of what all these cards evoke. And then you determine whether or not that person, you're going to kill them or you're going to let them live. And again, this is just a game. Um, with three people... You know, each player um, has these two options to kill somebody and to let someone live. So you have somebody who will probably lean into the heel. And if everybody leans into the heel and everybody says, yeah, I was that bad person, um, you then have a problem because when the, the, the game ends, you only have one bullet and you have to figure out who's most deserving or if everybody's being very nice and kind, you only you can only save one person, you know. And then in a four to six player game, you still only have these two cards. So uh, I've seen in a four player game where um, one person gets shot by three people, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> one person doesn't get anybody's attention because everybody's like, well, you're a scoundrel, but you're not as bad as this person who did something to my horse one day, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it, it, it's a different game, um, depending on how many people you have in the game. It's a very different two person, three person or four player game. And it all comes in a little box of cards. Yeah. That's the, like I said, I keep this one on my kitchen table, like my dining table. So we're waiting for something to cook. We just bust it out, have a couple laughs, and then keep on going with nice. dinner. Like it's it's so nice and simple, and 
it's easy to set up. I don't know. I I really like it. It's especially if you're somebody who likes for the queen already. This mm-hmm. is like it's similar, but it's different enough where it doesn't feel like you're playing the same game, which right. is so difficult to do when you're doing these deck games. I've played other hacks of for the queen that feel like for the queen with different questions. Right. It's a little samey. To me, I leaned into this and absolutely said this should be a game for non-gamers you know if you like games and if you like gaming you could easily take this to a house party where nobody's ever played a role-playing game you can break it out put it on a table it teaches you how to play um in the first 15 cards reads out all the instructions tells you exactly how to do it and um just about anybody can jump in and play um yeah and you know it's fun it's a little lighthearted, um, and you know I think uh, you know play it in a place where it's okay if things get a little loud. Um, I actually designed this game, oh wow, what three and a half years ago, and uh, I took it to Metatopia Game Design Convention in New Jersey, and it was really funny because we had a table of uh, three players, and. Um, in the first game, things got so loud and people were laughing so hard. Um, people came from, I mean, it was probably, it was problematic because people were coming <laughs> from other play tests to kind of see, well, what are you guys doing over here? Um, <laughs> and the table grew to about six players and, uh, you know, it was just, you know, fast and furious. You know, it was great because I was able to kind of step away. Um, I think a game, uh, the true test of his game is if people can play it when the designer's not around. You know, I was able to step away and, you know, people, I had an extra deck and somebody just took it to another table and set up a whole nother, you know, table of it and i felt like wow i think i got a gold mine on my hand and i was like you know i should (laughs) i should kickstart this in 2020 and um, then stuff happened and i was like i don't know if anybody's going to get in a room to actually play this so Mm -hmm. i'm finally dusting it off and i'm glad you did and we discussed it before this is a game that definitely benefits from being played in person I have um, looked at a couple. I've looked at a couple online um, randomizer apps. I've looked at a couple. I've looked at a Roll Twenty. I've looked at a couple of um, couple of scenarios, and you know, for the Queen plays fine on Roll Twenty. I think it is just much a much mm-hmm. more powerful experience in person, and um, yeah. I think with the with the gun cards, you know, the bullet and the blank cards, you just have one more level of complexity that um, I have to figure out if it's worth climbing the mountain to build this, you know, to be foolproof on roll 20 to actually get out in the world. Yeah. So there's a certain physicality to seeing those bullet and blank cards just sitting in front of somebody. Mm hmm waiting to see which like because you don't know which one they're going to push mm-hmm, forward mm-hmm. but you know you're going to get one of them so and with with more than um with three or more players you know you have the scenario where okay you're pointing one gun at someone but nobody knows which one is the gun you know 
And yeah. um, it, it, I, you know, you said tension. I think it, it's, it's, I think it creates a, a, a tension that's fun when, you know, yes, that's what I mean by tension. When you're pointing your card at someone and they don't know which one it is. And they're thinking about all the things you said about them and all the things that they said about you. And, you know, they can figure out if they're going to kill you because you're probably going to kill them or if you're going to not kill you because, you know, you might have stole the money, but you were actually a good friend. And all of these like different scenarios come up in the randomness of the cards, you know. Yeah. And again, I can't take credit for designing that, you know. (laughs) but it's an amazing design i think it is too it creates a lot of fun a lot of drama in a very simple and fast way thank you i i agree but i'm glad it's actually reading no i i got it right off the bat as soon as i saw the bullet and blank cards i was like ah these are gonna these are gonna be fun to see what what they do (laughs) <laughs> um, the only challenge I've had playing this game with folks is uh, in the playtest is uh, there's a certain point where I have to wonder if people really know a lot about we imagine the Western men. genre. And I was going to bring that up yeah. because we had talked about that a little bit. And I've added a lot of scaffolding to kind of almost suggest you can play it this way. You can play it that way. Here are some examples mm-hmm. of things that outlaws in the West would might be up to, you know, uh, horse yeah. stealing, bank robbing, family wrecking, um, you know, just kind of fist fighting. <laughs> and I, I, I literally <laughs> had to at a certain point create a list when someone was playing the game and, like I just realized they were actually stumped, you know, and unfortunately or fortunately, uh, I'm of an age that like I have seen all the Sierra uh, Sergio Leone films, you know, I have seen mm-hmm. so many of the old Clint Eastwood films and, you know, the John Ford films and, um, you know, Seven Samurai and Magnificent Seven uh, what done twice, three times <laughs> over, you know, um, I love this yeah. milieu, but, uh, yeah, I don't know that, um, it is necessarily a touchstone in, in the modern age that it was when I was growing up. For me, the big thing with it is I love those environments and settings, deserts and frontier I, I really like that uh, Tundra's too, because, you know, it's the desert, but ice. Mm-hmm. So for me, getting to see those environments played with is what excites me. And I tend to look for media that has that. I mean, there are so many great, uh, not franchises, films. Recently, we had actually talked about the, the Red Dead. Mm-hmm. Red Dead is like the closest thing to really modern that we have right now outside of some indie projects. Right. But even it's a zombie game, isn't it? No, no, no. That's uh that's another one. They have a zombie expansion. It's a, it's a wild west story. Oh, okay. It's like a bounty okay. hunting story. So it's, it's very good. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I, I play uh super smash bros with my kid. 
<laughs> and that's probably the extent of, uh, you know, I try not to get beat up by him. And I know one day <laughs> he's going to start playing these, you know, uh, 300 hour games and, you know, I will lose him to the console. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Red Dead Redemption is a, a, a touchstone that um, I wasn't even thinking about, but I think um, there's there the people who like that game would love to play Bullet in the Blank. Yes, a hundred percent. And like, I think that's kind of where I pulled from was because in certain parts of the game, you'll get into these shootout duels, and you could talk a little smack with your opponent sometimes. Sometimes it's just a cutscene. But like I was just like, oh yeah, this is this is that. It's that over a little bit of a longer format. Yeah, um, I am thinking. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to do a different Kickstarter for a friend of mine um, who has a kids dinosaur game uh, in August of oh, this yeah? year. Yeah, it's a uh, Switchosaurus. <laughs> I don't know if you're my tar- <laughs> I don't know if you're my target uh, parent market. You know who wants your kid to uh, get into memory games and uh, uh, get into dinosaurs and to watch little kids say big dinosaur words that don't exist as you put um, uh, <laughs> the, you know the Stegosaurus tail on the pteranodon's head you know and so it's a stegoranodon um but that's part of the that's part <laughs> of the fun of switchosaurus um so i'm probably gonna i'm be- gonna throw one back at you there mo oh what you got because i love dinosaurs what? and i'm also an educator what? so i'm very excited about switchosaurus <laughs> I, I might have to put some switchosaurus in the mail um but yeah i think we're gonna do that um in August for the beginning of school, um, my buddy has, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I helped him design some of it. Um, I ha- probably helped more with the, um, the, the printing and layout, um, like getting, getting art, you know, I was kind of more of an art director. He had a very clear vision. Um, and, you know, I was able to say like, these are kind of game elements that, could work at the you know three to ten year old range but um yeah yeah he ended up ordering uh 500 units from a company in china to sell for christmas last year and uh they showed up at his house on boxing day so <laughs> Ooh, that sucks um yeah so he had uh a vendor lined up and um yeah i'm i'm gonna uh see if we can get that out in the world we have found uh some local printers in case uh people really like it and um we have to make more so that we don't have to put them on another boat from china um but uh yeah after that, I'm going to be trying to do a uh, bullet in the blank and uh, get it out to the world. That's actually something that I wanted to bring up because when we talked about Shibuya Nights, it was kind of like this thing that you had put so much time and effort in. You said that you're going to be working on some smaller projects, which is great. But you've kind of even talked to you because that was oof, probably almost half a year to a year ago at this point. Yeah, I think it might have been a year ago. 
it, it would have been close to that, but you've kind of grown more so into this. <laughs> you've really grown to this game designer and like helping get people set up for success in those fields and testing and like you're putting in the work that's for sure and i just think that like no problem i really enjoy the stuff that you do but i think that even just people can go back from this episode and listen to the shibuya nights episode and listen to the change that's happened in a year half a year Hmm. it's it's really cool to me it's funny um i I've been listening to your podcast, and one of the questions you ask people at the end is, uh, what advice would you give to new designers? And, uh, of course, after my episode went out, I, I came up with the perfect answer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and <laughs> I think I remember this. <laughs> um, I think, you know, game design today is a lot of kit bashing. You know? It's... Yep. It, most people are really taking a little bit from here and a little bit from there, and you add a little your special sauce, you know, and that is, to me, setting. Um, And you you built some, you know, culture that, you know, hopefully doesn't step on anybody's toes. And, um, yeah, you have a game. Uh, You then play test it to make sure everybody's seeing the vision that you saw. And, um, you know, if you you go see if people actually want to play that game. And, you know, it's no yeah. harm or no foul if it's something that you love to do. You know, there are plenty of people who work really hard building homebrew settings for um, lots of games. And, you know, this is the thing that they put their whole heart into. And, and that's kind of what game design is. Um, so I have, I'd like to think I've enabled a couple people. Um, me, I have a design partner on a project called Holdfast Outpost. Sorry, Holdfast Station. Mm-hmm. Um, that okay. is very different from uh, Shibuya Nights. And uh, you know, me and Michael Lowe, uh, we you know built an amazing little game. And you know, our main design goal was this is for people who want to learn how to GM. You know, and yeah, we, we made a very cool little game and actually figured out how to um, get some money for it. <laughs> so, um, you know, it'll be coming out uh, along with uh, the Stone Top uh, game that was kickstarted, yeah. I want to say, in 2021, maybe? Time, time is just slipping. I remember seeing advertisements for Stone Top. It was... Oh, it was in 2021. Yeah. I just remember people being very excited about yeah. Stone Top. So if you if you back to the Kickstarter Stone Top, uh, the Stone Top Kickstarter, <laughs> um, you're going <laughs> to also get a copy of uh, Hold Fast Station, which is the same kind of low fantasy um, game that Stone Top was that really had kind of, you know, instead of us going out to conquer we're protecting home it has that exact same feel Mm -hmm. but it's set in space you know and oh um so instead of you know protecting and defending your your uh medieval town you're protecting and defending 
the mine that you work at. And so you're a blue collar person. You're not the thing that that heroes are made of, but you have an opportunity to save your people. And um, yeah, like I remember when we uh, play tested it for the publisher, <laughs> he was like, this is very different than Stone Top. <laughs> but it absolutely gets you to the same feels, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, Michael uh, is a teacher and I have been a teacher and, you know, we have both played in a lot of bad games, you know, by very famous <laughs> systems, you know, and yep, I think most GMs start off in a place where they're going to have a lot of improvement in their future. So um, we designed a game that if you if you said i want to get better at gming you can go here to hold fast station and you can absolutely um it it, it walks you through it it holds your hand and you're going to have a good game you know and then you can have a better game but it starts you off from good as opposed to um you know if you just open the monster manual in D D, you know um, anything could happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, level ones, here's a mind flare. Right. Right. You know, I like the picture. <laughs> I've played in those styles of game before. I have level threes versus mind flares. Not a good call. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we, I think we, we're really excited about that. And, um, you know, Michael, um, I think was a, uh, a, a, a guy who was designing games and not necessarily putting them out in the world when we met. And now yeah. he's like, he's got a whole game design business and I'm so mm-hmm. proud of him, you know? He does. And yeah. so maybe that's what you're talking about with me kind of being kind of a bit of a coach and a facilitator. Um, my, my buddy with the, 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 the dinosaur card game, um, totally different guy, but you know, I had been through, uh, <laughs> the, 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 stomach twisting stress of dealing with some of this stuff. And I was able to kind of hold his Mm -hmm. hand and give him some advice and like remind him, you know, it's done when it's done because, you know, I think the, the, the thing every young game designer wants to do is I I, want to get it out, you know, and it's like, relax. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see 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 if uh if you sleep on it if it if anything else comes to you see it's funny because i get to talk to a lot of creators and it is that question of what advice do you have that comes up in basically every episode and a lot of the younger designers will say get something out so that you can get through your nerves and then a lot of my yeah. more like veteran designers who come onto the show will be like Take your time. Nobody's rushing. Like, make sure you're happy with it. Make sure it does what you want. And I think that's such a, to me, it's so interesting that there's like this very kind of clear divide amongst creators. And that could just be personality types or design philosophies. And I'm not sure what it is, but both can be good. I think it's experience. And, you know, I think they're different types of people. They're the people who um, let perfect be the enemy of good, you know, and they never <laughs> ship because they got one more thing to fix. And then they're the people who, yep. you know, um, 
they haven't even checked their pagination and you know they send it to the printer and you know inevitably they feel successful until a friend picks it up and says you know that 25 comes before 15 and suddenly <laughs> and I've, I've seen this book you know unfortunately um, it wasn't mine um but yeah i think um right back to 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 um what do you call it right back to free rpg day i think that the the splitting the difference going down the middle I am suddenly becoming a fan of the quick start. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, can you sum up your game in 15 pages? You know, and, you know, most young game designers are going to scream and kick and say, no, 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 it is an opus. And that may be true. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, can you sum it up in 15 pages? And can mm-hmm. and, and use the power of itch to get it out in the world and, you know, see if people want to play your game. Yeah. And that is a version of, you know, getting it out there, you know? Yeah, exactly. I've seen more than a couple of uh, game designers use itch um, for this very purpose that I'm just coming to around to understanding. Again, experience you know, to look for the minimum viable product, you know, and get the game out in the world and build a community around it. And, you know, if that community says they want a 300-page book, you get them a 300-page book. And if that community moves on, well, you know, maybe you got a novel in you or something. (laughs) 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 But... This may not be the time for the game. No. Yeah, that's totally fair. I can safely say as somebody who is always very excited when a designer says, here's the quick start. And I can pull the the core or the heart of the game and talk to them about that. I'm always very excited because I get sent a lot of really cool stuff. but. I have a lot to do, including reading other people's stuff to get them on the podcast and get things set up. So when I can look at 15 pages and that hits all your base rules, and then I have to go look at a 200 page document, which I'm still excited about that. It just makes it a lot harder to find the, the heart. It's a bigger ask. Yep. And you know, the thing that broke my heart, was realizing most people will never read that 300 page book. Yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of people want your world. They want your maps and they may port it all over to, you know, their home group. <laughs> yeah. We could say it. they might port it to five E. Let's they be honest. Might port it to five E. One of my goals for this year was to read the TTRPG books I've had, and I've read a lot, and that's a bit of a problem because now there's more games I want to run and in different systems, but it's very tricky. Mo, we're actually starting to run low on time here, 
So I got two more questions for you. One is a new question for you. Uh-oh. Uh, I've asked it to a couple of returning designers, and it actually has to do with something that I heard a lot from newer creators when they were designing their game, and it has to deal with burnout. What advice can you give to creators to help them burning out on their project? Or what are some things that you do to keep yourself either interested in the project or not hating it? That's a, that's a tough one, man. Um, for me, uh, much to my wife's dismay, I have a couple of projects going at a time. And so yeah. I'm often able to, um, you know, change my pace, change my orientation, change my surrounding, go for a walk, uh, work on another game um, instead of writing um, prose that's going to be, you know, how to GM. Um, maybe I'm going to do, you know, layout for a card game um, and just use a different part of my brain. And, you know, um, I've gotten to the point where I don't like having loose ends. I always come back. You know, there's some people, this is not the best advice for because they find themselves with a hundred <laughs> partially made games. <laughs> but um, for me, I am, uh, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about, you know, just sharing these games. You know, I play them with my family and my in-laws and my friends. And so many people are like, you know, they'll come to me months mm -hmm. later um, and say, whatever happened to that game? And that's a sure sign that you have something, you know, um, I I'm lousy with games right now. So these days, um, <laughs> it's really about, um, trying to figure out how to get them to the world. And like, I'm not designing so much as I am, you know, trying to talk to distributors and publishers because, you know, yeah. it's like, can we just kind of wipe the slate clean and get some of this stuff out into the world? And, you know, those are working different muscles. But, you know, what are you in it for? You know, I'm I'm having fun, you know, playing at this small part of business that will never pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me also make it clear. You're not going to get rich as a game designer. <laughs> But um, we every time we hear that advice, I I love it. Just like I think you said the same thing about Shibuya Nights, actually. Yeah, I very very much feel like you said the same thing about Shibuya Nights. It, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a you know a thing of passion. And if this is something you have a passion for, you know, go play at it. Um, I I was saying to one friend of mine who was a little frustrated with, you know also getting backed up with all their games, you know, um, game designing is a bit of a game, Yep. you know, and, um, if you don't find that game, you should stop because you're not enjoying it. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's what, it's what you want, you know, if you want to get your stuff yeah. out to people, um, there's a level of, Oh, you got to learn how to market. Well, who wants to do that? You know, I get on Twitter and I am so shy. You know, people talk to me and they're like, you'd be great on yeah. Twitter. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know when this comment is going to reach you in your day. 
And, you know, listening is such a big part of conversation. Twitter is not a conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. So No, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I, I don't I think I answered your question. You know, just I do too. <laughs> Have different projects or exercise different parts of your brain. I yes. I think the latter is probably the better, better, more responsible, <laughs> better advice, yeah, more responsible answer. <laughs> uh, it reminds me, I, I talked to an author friend of mine and he was like, I used to start a new book when I, I would get stuck. And it's like, I have like 40 yeah. separate books yeah. that are four chapters deep and that's it. Yep. 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 So. <laughs> and you know, I think for writers it's different because you can, that that stuff is still useful and you know for a game designer yep. you know i have game pieces of games that i'm like ooh that'll work really well over here and mm-hmm. you know that's the benefit of actually writing down those wayward ideas but <laughs> um long as you you're not too precious about finishing everything you can do that yeah yeah i think that's great advice the last question Mo, where can people find out more about you and your projects? Uh, you can find out more about me and my projects at uh, ashyfeet.com. That's A-S-H-Y-F-E-E-T.com. Um, people are like, why do you pick that? I'm like, well, it's memorable. <laughs> <laughs> if I told somebody my website, walking down the street, if they remembered me, they will definitely remember the website because they're like, I, that's not what I would have expected. Yeah, okay. I use lotion on my feet. I do. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, I don't even have a response to that, man. Hey, hey you know, <laughs> people want to know. That's fair. People want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, you could find, um, more and more of my gaming stuff going up there. And, uh, as things are coming out and the Kickstarters are getting started, you're going to find more of, mm-hmm. um, more of my, more games and hopefully other projects coming up soon. As always audience, those links are going to be down in the description down below. Mo, thank you so much for joining me once again. I had an absolute great time talking to you and it's always a pleasure. So thank you, Zach. I enjoy your podcast. I'm really um, flattered to be um, in amongst like the amazing people you have interviewed. And uh, I just want to thank you and let you know you're doing like great work. Uh, I feel like you've gotten <laughs> way, like it was a good podcast. You've gotten way smoother on the mic and I'm like, good for you, man. It's great to see your star rising. <laughs> thank you. It only took five months of voice acting lessons. <laughs> hey, you put the work in and it's showing. Well, thank you so much again, Mo. And audience, thank you so much for listening. Mo and more of his projects are launching soon. Shibuya Nights has already launched. Go pick that one up. And come and tell us what you're doing because we love to hear from you. Go check out these games. And as they come out, I'll let you know. So you can go get Bullet and a Blank because I love this game. It's incredible. Until then, though. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Mo for joining me on the show this week. I can safely say that Mo is an incredible person to work with, and I'll be making a bit more of an announcement about that in the future, but can't quite yet. 
Shh, secrets and all that. Mo isn't currently funding Bullet in the Blank, but we do have some inside info that him and his friend are getting ready to launch Switchosaurus, which also sounds like an adorably fun time for the younger crowd. I'll be sure to keep you all informed as that game gets announced and Bullet in the Blank gets ready to go live for production. And thank you so much for listening, audience. You have all been super supportive and especially great lately. We've grown quite a bit. It's kind of surprising, but thank you for that. I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you that next week will be the last week of Pokemon the Maple League over on Live from the Apocalypse. You can catch that on Wednesday, September 21st at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you like the show and you want to hear more, though, why not share it with a friend or recommend us to a creator that you think may want to show off their work? Word of mouth is the only way we go around here, and without your support, we really don't get anywhere. That's all from me this week, though. Take care of yourselves, and I will talk to you real soon. Bye!